Welcome to It's Gwinnable, the podcast of my journey to become the best woman, wife, and mother that I can be. Just a quick reminder before we launch into the episode again, um, this is the second part of a series. So if you have not listened to last week's episode, which is the first part, uh, you should stop here and go back and do that. Um, but also um, just reminding you, definitely listener discretion advised um, in the sense that we're talking about sensitive subjects and going into detail about those sensitive subjects and using, um, in some cases, there are three or four um, swear words in the, in the total conversation. Um, so where they appear um, in different episodes, there could potentially be strong language being used um, that you're going to want to make sure um, to listen at your discretion um, and at your comfort level where and when you feel um, like it is appropriate to do so. With that being said, here we go. Okay, so for the purposes of like keeping timelines and things in order, um, I got pregnant with our first baby in September of 2015. And then we lost that baby um, like the third week of November in, in 2015. It was just before just before we got the puppers, which is how I remember the date. Um, and then Robin and I got married that January, the January of 2016. So we went through shortly after we got married, well, we had, we did have the conversation. Cause like, I went to him with my fears of like, do you even still want to get married now that this is like, it's easy to talk about it when it's an abstract hypothetical, you know, like if we got pregnant, we may not actually have a baby, but it's different to go through, you know, like I remember being afraid to tell him I was pregnant because I wasn't sure how like committed he was to wanting kids. And then how happy he was and how excited he was. And then to have to, go back to him with I'm sorry but we're not actually having this baby right like to have um I didn't wake him up to take him to the hospital with me because he had work and other things and I thought I should know what's going on before I tell him about it and like in hindsight like if I had to go back to 2015 and live that year again I would have woken him up and taken him with me so that he could have had well two two reasons one then I wouldn't have been alone in a waiting room and I feel like in those moments when you're in that level of grief advocating for yourself is difficult right like I feel like Robin probably would have been up at the nurse's desk going what the actual fuck people you know what I mean whereas I couldn't do that for myself in that moment but also like giving him the opportunity to have that grieving space rather than me the next day saying like, I have really bad news. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I took that moment away from him. And I I didn't do it with the intent of, like, I'm taking this moment away from him. I did it with the, I'm saving him from experiencing this until I know for sure it's happening. Right. Um, like, I did it with, like, with the best of intentions, but I still feel like I did it wrong. Um, Just because because it is different for... It like it is different for the guys. Like it is a different, it's a different experience. But I still feel like there would have been something there for him, even if it was just feeling like he could be there for me. Like sometimes when you feel helpless and you just want to be there for someone, and I took that opportunity away from him a little bit. Um. Anyway, so we did have that like, do you still love me? <laughs> do you still want to get married? Um conversation and he was just like he kind of looked at me like I was insane it was like of course we're getting married why wouldn't we be getting married which was like like the second best thing he's ever said to me in my life do you know what I mean like it was just like of course we're getting married what is wrong with you um and but then after we got married we had to have the conversation of um what do we want to do from here and I had that like we talked about, like I had that intense desire to be a mom and then went through like the hypothetical grieving process when I was 23 of being told like, probably not going to happen. Um, to then, even if it was for such a brief time, that high of like, it's actually happening. Like we're actually going to be parents in this, 
like lifelong dream you know is is happening to then have that fall out from underneath you even if it was for just that tiny window like we had already talked baby names and like we had already like decided on the baby name and um it's hard now <laughs> i'm sorry i just the name of course you like it pops into your head when you're and i associate that name so strongly with that pregnancy um, and obviously like it was too early to know if we were having a boy or a girl, but in my mind, like, you know how you have like mother's intuition and you just kind of know sometimes, um, I just, yeah. Anyways, I just have that moment of like, yeah. And like in my mind, the baby, like, like the, I felt very strongly that the baby was a boy and I, and Robin and I had already picked a name for him and we had, I just, I so strongly associate, like, in my mind, my first child is that boy. If that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that you're definitely not alone with that, because I've, I've heard that from multiple other women. Yeah. It just, it seems weird, and we didn't talk about names that soon ever again. Um... But it was just that kind of, like, I was, it was hard to go through, like, so going through the grieving process of then losing him or, you know, like, in my mind, him. Um, and then going through the the process of this hurt on a level that is so deep that I don't know if I can do it again. And I started, like, maybe I don't want kids. Maybe... Like, we, we, you know, we had that conversation of, like, do we even want to try again? Like, do we want to open ourselves to the possibility of that level of pain a second time? And, and have that kind of a, and Robin is amazing and awesome. And he just kind of, like, you know what, like, let's just take life as it comes at us kind of a, kind of an approach. And he's like, he, you know, that he was open to going through that process again and he was you know open to not going through that process again <laughs> like, to, to, to like an equal to like an equal degree right like he he wasn't like now that you've been pregnant once and I have the idea in my head in the couple weeks to get used to the idea of us having a baby together and being a dad like I really really want that now like he didn't he didn't have like he didn't express that to me like in the like I now desperately wish that we could do this again um, but he also didn't say, you know, like, like going through this loss makes me never want to do it again. And I had that, like that back and forth with myself of like, am I strong enough to do this again? You know? Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, so we decided we would just kind of let nature run in its course, however nature wanted to run its course in the, <laughs> in the, in the classic Catholic sense of the term. <laughs> There's no real polite way to say that. Like, do you know what I mean? That we spent like a good year not trying, but not not trying. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then after that, like I had had, like again, like just the time and the space and like the, the mental space to kind of wrap my head around the idea of of going through and having another baby. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it takes, it takes time. Like everyone's ready in their own time. There's no right or wrong way. And there's no timeline that works for everyone. But, and that's when I started going, okay, like maybe we should actually start trying, trying like mapping out ovulation and like actually trying, <laughs> you know, like figuring this out because of my medical background with the PCOS and the endometriosis having an irregular schedule and not having like the tr traditional quote normal um like 28 day cycle ovulating on day 14 kind of a thing like we have to kind of you know like sometimes my cycle is 60 something days and sometimes it's 30 something days and it's just kind of runs the gamut of like if you have a 63 day cycle when exactly did you ovulate like I don't know any of these things mathematically speaking it's you still ovulate typically two weeks before your period but when you don't know when your period is going to come then you don't know when. <laughs> so I did go online and order like the, you can get those pregnancy tests are expensive like you go to the store and you get them but yeah. 
you can get kits online and Amazon has like a gazillion of them where they're just that little tiny strip test that the hospital uses. And you can get like a pack. I think it came with like 15 pregnancy tests and like 50 ovulation tests. And it was like 20 bucks. Wow. Right. It makes them, it makes, I think there were like seven cents a test or something. It was stupid cheap. Like it was so that you didn't have to go and get like the first response or like even hit up a dollar store for a test. Like you could get them so much cheaper. And when you're us with the medical, like even just PCOS by itself, if you're actively trying to have a baby, you really kind of need to be tracking your ovulation because it's all over the place and you have no freaking clue what normal is because you are not normal, right? Like there is no normal. Um, so, um, I just kind of, kind of just did that on my own to more or less try to figure out even from a health perspective, it's helpful to understand your body and how your cycle works just from like a women's health perspective, taking kids out of the equation completely. It's important, I think, to kind of have an understanding of how all of that works. Um, as a side note, um, a friend of mine from high school lost her mom this year. Um, and I can't remember if it was like ovarian cancer or uterine cancer, but one of the womanly, womanly cancers. Um, and she said, she, she shared something the other day on Facebook that basically said, um, it was like one of those, like it was somebody else's message, but, um, a woman went to her gynecologist and said, like post-menopause that her period had come back a couple months ago but she was like whatever you know like we're women we get our periods it happens she just figured oh fluke of menopause and her doctor started like grilling her with questions and she kind of said to him like what's the big deal you know what I mean like why are you suddenly you know giving me the Spanish Inquisition here um and he said like it is not like it's a sign of cancer if you've gone through menopause and your period comes back for any reason, for any length of time. Um, and they managed to catch her, that woman's cancer early enough that it saved her life. But sadly, in my friend's instance, her mom didn't make it. But had her mom been aware of that very simple fact that doctors talk about like it's common everyday knowledge, it could have saved a life, right? So to me, it's important to know what's normal and but what it, isn't. Right. And what's normal for your body so that when something comes up that's not, that you can go and you can get the attention that you need to make sure everything's okay. So for me, like getting, it, it was partially because I then decided I really wanted to try again, but also partially because I was trying to have like a bigger picture, bigger understanding of like my own physical health too. Oh yeah. Um, sure. Anyway, so I I did that for a little while and just kind of mapped things out. And so, um, we. Oh goodness, I found out about the second baby. I want to say March of twenty seventeen. Nope, that's not right. May. Of twenty seventeen. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. It had to have been April. I'm just trying to do trying to do mental math really quickly. It was the spring of 2017, and I found out we were having another baby, and that baby was due January of 2018. Um, yeah, it was sometime while I was out. Well, I knew I was pregnant. Or while I was out. Right. Your house. I knew I was pregnant before you came out, though. Okay. Um, we weren't like we kept it pretty. Like we told you. Right, right. Um, and we told my parents, but we didn't tell anybody else. Um, we wanted to make sure, especially after what we've been through the first time, we mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that we knew. Because, like, the first time, again, we told you. <laughs> and, we to and we told my parents. And we, we my parents are, um, I was, I was honestly, it sounds so weird because I was how old? But, um, how old was I? I hate math. I was in my late 20s anyways. I was over the age of 25. I'm pretty sure I was like 28. I want to say 28, but that might be wrong. Um, but I was like, I was afraid to tell my parents that I was pregnant. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I wasn't married and because I grew up in a kind of more conservative Christian um, home with conservative Christian values. Um, 
So we did tell them, I think the day after we found out. <laughs> and we told you, but again, we had like the first time around, we hadn't like, we hadn't told anybody else. Right. I was hugely grateful for. So the second time around, we told the same people. So we told you and we told my parents and we didn't tell anybody else. And we were waiting until like they consider like there's that like fear in the first trimester, especially if you've already had a loss. And you always think like, oh, if I can just get to the second trimester, everything's going to be okay. So um, and like like you alluded to, Shandy, you came out to house sit and dog sit for us because um, in June, um, tail end of June leading into July, because my grandfather wasn't doing well. And um, we got the message from family saying, look, if you if you would like a chance to say goodbye, you need to get back home. You know, so we were figuring out how to get to Ontario um, and we ended up driving. But Robin was, why was Robin in Calgary? Oh, he Robin took his truck to your house in Alberta. And he left about a week or three or four days before I left so that he could leave the truck at your house because he knew he was going to have to go back up north. Right. So he was already in Alberta and you and I had a couple more days here. I was showing you like the lay of the land and getting you settled with the dog's routine because you hadn't been to BC before, never mind to our house. Um, And then I was supposed to leave. And the day I was supposed to leave, I wasn't feeling well. We went to the ER, you and I, because I wanted to make sure everything was okay. I'd already had like the dating ultrasound and the baby was looking good and there was a heartbeat and everything. Like that was the most nerve wracking experience of my life going in for that appointment and everything was fine. And I was like, Oh, like that, you know, like that weight, like your chest, the squeezing in your chest eases off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had had, um, I think I'd had a little bit of cramping and you're like, Nope, we're going to the hospital <laughs> before you leave the drive. Right. So the, I think it was the day I was supposed to be leaving. You and I spent the night in the ER instead, basically. Um, yeah. and they, they did the blood work and they checked on the baby and again, everything was good. We were good. We left, I want to say between five and six in the morning, which was a surreal experience. That was the first time I went back to that hospital after losing the, our first baby yeah, and yeah. sitting in that ER again was traumatic for me. Like I didn't want to go. Like I know you, you pushed me going and said like, you can't leave and drive from BC to Ontario without getting checked out for like, you know what I mean? Like you were, and I, I didn't want to go back to that hospital, especially not like we left the hospital around the same time I left the hospital coming home from the loss. Like it was, it was like a mirroring experience. Like I felt like I was deja vu, like, you know, yeah, happily with a different outcome because the baby was okay. Um, but I remember thinking like I could go home and sleep or I could drop you off and run for the ferry. Cause I was already supposed to have left the day before. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I did. I dropped you off at home and then I ran for the, and made, made it onto the ferry and left to go meet up with Robin so we could go back to Ontario to say goodbye to my grandfather. Um, and you were at our house for, th- we were gone for the better part of three weeks, Robin and I, and then you stayed for a little bit after we got home again. So we went, we had a nice visit and everything. And then I was, the next ultrasound, um, was scheduled was the, was the 14 week one. So we had made it, we had crossed over depending on where you consider the, the second trimester to start because everyone disagrees on if it's week 12, week 13 or week 14, but however you slice it, we had entered the second trimester. And so I was breathing a little bit easier because I had had zero cramping. I had felt like the morning sickness had eased off some and I was feeling better. Um, my boobs still hurt a hell of a lot, but that was a very, you know, like <laughs> I'll take it. That's fine. Um, but I like, everything was good. Like I didn't have any signs that or any indication that anything was off. So we just had like a nice visit and we got back, we saw you, you and I had a nice visit. Um, and then I had a doctor's appointment on the Friday and you and Robin left on the Thursday. So the day before my appointment, um, to go 
he went back to Alberta with you because he knew he was going to be leaving for work soon anyways. And it just made sense. Like it feasibly just made sense for him to go back home with you. I think we'd always planned on him going home with you because his truck was already in Alberta. So how else was he going to get there? Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) as I'm thinking about it now, like what is he going to magically teleport there? I don't know. Um, So you guys had left on the Thursday and then I went to the doctor's appointment on the Friday Oh, yep. So I'm going in. We've had two good ultrasounds with heartbeats and everything is great. Um, And the ultrasound tech, like they always do their test and they like the screens tilted away from you so they can do the measurements and stuff that they need. And then they turn the screen towards you so that you can then see the baby. And they're pretty quiet because they're taking measurements and they're doing the job and they need to focus. So I'm not really paying that, you know, like I'm just like, well, this is great. I'm going to get to see the baby in like two minutes or whatever. Right. Like having a good time. Um, and she starts asking questions about how I'm feeling, you know, like any cramping, any spotting, you know, that kind of thing. Or, and I'm just like, no, everything's really great. Everything's been really good. You know, ah, my boobs are sore, you know, like kind of <laughs> a little bit of, yeah. right. Like just kind of joking around there a little bit. And she goes, okay, um, I'm going to have the doctor come in and talk to you. And that's the, that was like my first indication of, no, that's not what's supposed to be happening now. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, foreboding. Yeah. So she left the room and then, um, she was gone for a couple minutes and then she came back and she said, actually, we're going to have you go over, um, with the second pregnancy, I was with a midwife in a different town. Um, but you still go for ultrasounds at the main ultrasound clinic, which is in the other town. Um, so she said, we're going to send you over. It was essentially across the street. Um, to like an OBGYN's office. I'm like, that's weird. Cause I'm with a midwife this time. Um, and that's when they kind of sat me down and they said, um, the baby is measuring smaller. So like this happened a while ago, basically. Um, but there's no heartbeat anymore. So like, that's how they know, like, it, you know what I mean? They said, we need to schedule you for emergency surgery Monday morning because you're not cramping, because you're not spotting, you're showing zero signs of actually miscarrying. Um, it's becoming dangerous to your health to still have this fetal tissue inside of your body, basically. And I remember being incredibly offended that they were calling my baby fetal tissue. <clears throat> Just like to wrap my head around the moment of um, suddenly I'm being scheduled for an emergency surgery first thing Monday morning. And they're telling me all the things I need to watch for over the weekend and get to the ER if any of these things start happening. Um, And it was one of those surreal moments. Um, I was leaving the office and Robin's younger brothers graduated from high school that year. And they had gone to Europe as a graduation gift with, uh, with their mom. And they were really stressing about the fact that their high school diplomas were available and somebody needed to pick them up. And I remember thinking like my high school diploma got mailed to me because I couldn't go pick it up. But I just remember being in the car crying and driving home and thinking now I have to call you and Robin on your way because you had stopped part way. Um, I had to call you guys in the middle of your drive from BC to Alberta and tell you this information for one thing. Um, while they're hammering me with messages over Snapchat of all places about going to pick up their high school diplomas. And it was just that surreal moment of like, I'm supposed to be caring about your freaking high school diplomas when like my entire world is falling apart a second time. Like everything was supposed to be okay. I was supposed to be safe. Just like in my mind with the amount of time that had elapsed, I was supposed to be okay. And I wasn't. Do you know what I mean? And like, not only I wasn't, but like Robin wasn't home, you know, like, and he was going to have to go through all of this again a second time. And now you're both alone. And yeah, and now we're both alone, right? Like, well, and like he had you, but, <laughs> but, but like, you know, yeah. Had not, each other. We weren't so. with each other. Yeah. So I just but remember. Separated. I remember wanting to say some incredibly rude things via Snapchat, but not being able to, because they didn't know that I was pregnant when they like, you know what I mean? We hadn't told them. So it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, now I have to for like I have to compartmentalize this pain for a few minutes. 
I had to sit in the parking lot of their high school for 15 minutes while I cried hysterically, pulled myself together and went inside to pick up their high school diplomas. And I just remember thinking it was so ludicrous that this was the position that I was in, if that makes sense. Of course it does. And then, yeah, that was the longest, that was the longest weekend of my life. Just with, like, having to tell Robin and having to tell you on your drive home. And we probably, we call that the weekend we will not talk about because (laughs) multiple things happened that weekend other than we found out we had lost our second baby. So there were numerous other things um, because I found out on the Friday that we'd lost the baby. My mom called me Saturday morning to tell me that my dad had been um, taken by medical helicopter to a better hospital because he'd had a massive heart attack overnight and they weren't sure if he was going to live or not. So she was with him in an ICU trying to figure out what was going on. And then Sunday morning, we got a call from my aunt telling us that my mom's dad had passed away. So like, boom, boom, boom. And then Monday morning, I'm needing to be checking into a hospital to have an emergency surgery, um, an emergency DNC to have, have the baby, like the, the, well, removed basically. Um, because my health was in jeopardy. Like you can't have necrotic tissue inside of you without some massive potential scary repercussions. So it was just, it was a lot. To put it mildly. (laughs) To put it mildly, it was a lot of, and that's just my end of things. Like that's not even your end of things. So like, I'm trying to be there for you with everything you had going on. And you were trying to be there for me with everything I had going on. And, Robin had a bunch of stuff he was also dealing with that separate also from you know so he's trying to console me about the loss of our child while trying to comprehend that loss himself while trying to you know tell me that my dad was going to be okay while trying to console me over the fact that my grandfather had died (laughs) like it was just (laughs) while processing his own stuff and he also had his other own stuff outside of that going on it was just I'm not sure how, like, I mean, we're laughing about it now, but I'm not sure how any of us survived that weekend. (laughs) You know, it was one of those weekends where, it was one of those weekends where that country song, you find out who your friends are, dramatically comes into effect, right? Like, when things hit the fan and when things happen, because I, if you go into the hospital for a surgery, it was a day surgery because it was a DNC. So I had to be there at nine o'clock in the morning and they were going to perform the surgery sometime between 11 and one, like as their OR allowed, which is fun because you get to sit there all morning and think about it. Um, yeah. And like, there were like four other women who were clearly there for all, the same procedure, whether it was the same reason for the procedure or not is another story. But like we, we, like we all just kind of sat there like 20 chairs apart from each other, all just quietly crying all morning. Like it was just the suckiest, like clearly. And like everyone else had a pack of people with them. You know, like one girl had like younger siblings and her mom and another girl had her mom and another girl was there with obviously her significant other. And I was sitting there by myself because my mom was in Victoria with my dad at the ICU and yeah. and you and Robin were gone, right? So anyways, but one of the things, like if you have a surgery or this particular surgery, the discharge instructions state that you're not allowed to be alone for 24 hours. So you have to have someone pick you up. They won't let you take the bus home. They won't let you take a taxi home. They want physical proof of an actual human being um, to prove that you're not going to be alone and that you're going to have someone to take care of you. Um. Obviously, I had no one to take care of me because you guys were in Alberta. I so, them. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if you remember that or not, just because with everything going on or whatever, but like my mad scramble to find literally anybody who could pick me up from the hospital and drive me home. I do remember that, right? actually, because Robin and I talked about it and we were both like freaking out with each other. 
And I kept apologizing to him like an idiot and feeling so bad, even though he had to, because he kept saying, you know, like, well, I, I have to be here anyway because I have to go. Right. And it's not your fault. And then I kept apologizing to him uh, for leaning on him for, you know, the stuff that was going on with me. Right. You know, like, it, it was such a fantastically horrific week. Yeah. <laughs> and just... So many, we were pepper sprayed with machine gun bullets right. that weekend and rest of the summer. It was so it was, bad. Yeah. It was so bad. Okay, so what ended up happening the day of, like, I'm at the hospital sitting there waiting for them to perform the procedure, and I'm phoning people to see who can give me a ride home because <laughs> this is where this is where we're at in life. Um, and at this point, like I've tapped out all my people and I've started phoning my mom's people. I called my mom's best friend and I called a really good family friend. And I'm like, is there any chance you guys can give me again, not getting into super many details because they, like, they didn't know why I was pregnant. So they didn't know why they just knew I was having a day surgery. Basically. I'm like, is there any chance you guys could maybe give me a ride home <laughs> from the hospital sometime around 6 PM? Like, I don't know for sure when, because you have to wake up from the anesthesia and you have to be cleared to go home you can't so there was no set release time um and unfortunately and they were so like especially both of my mom's people were so like horrendously apologetic that like they couldn't do that you know they're like if it's mm-hmm. any other day you know um what ended up happening is my mom had to leave my dad in the icu in victoria drive two hours back to um the hospital i was in pick me up, drive me home, draw me at home, and turn around and drive back to Victoria again. Oh, no. Which, needless to say, was a mess. So, um, in order to get discharged, the hospital, like, made her sign a piece of paper saying I wasn't going to be alone. <laughs> and then she, dropped me off, then she dropped me off at home and went back to Victoria. Um, but I don't, I don't know if you remember or not, but, like, Robin had a laptop. Like, we Skyped, basically. Um, like he had me, like I was all, I had set up the couch that morning with pillows and different things just cause it was a lot closer to our front door for letting the dogs in and out to go pee. Right. Um, and he had me point the camera of the laptop at where I was sleeping and like he had an alarm, he set an alarm to go off. I forget however long frequently wise, but like he would then would like wake me up and talk to me, make sure everything was okay. And then we'd both go back to sleeping and that's what we did for the first 24 hours so that. He was so worried. Well, and, and like, and just, you know, because, because you're not supposed to be alone after a procedure. And like, I get, um, yeah, there's a reason for that. (laughs) Right. Well, and and exactly. So we kind of did like the, like, you know how, like they say, I think they changed the rules, but like for a while when you had a concussion, someone had to talk to you like every 20 minutes to make sure you were still like lucid. Mm -hmm. I think I, for whatever reason, I think 45 minutes, I think he had an alarm go off every 45 minutes. If I remember, I could be remembering wrong, but yeah, because that whole time is, is fuzzy, but that's, that's when I fell off the deep end hard. I mean, like I didn't handle losing our first baby very well. I did not handle losing our second baby, period. Um, my anxiety got so bad that... I spent the next, I didn't leave the house for the next three months. Um, my mom brought groceries to the house or I ate what was already in the house. I did not. And I had so much anxiety that I couldn't walk onto my porch to let my dogs out. Um, I had like blankets over every window, um, including like we have like a small window in our door and I had to cover it up with a tea towel. Um, and I, would get out of bed in the morning, pull the comforter off the top of the bed, put it over my head and like hold it under my chin. So like you could only see like the top half of my face and I would waddle out to the couch and I would just sit under the blanket all day. And if I let the dogs out, I had to pull the blanket. So it was completely covering my face to let them out into the yard. And basically, I just cried and watched an incredibly large amount of Netflix for three months. 
just completely shut down. I complete. I completely lost. Like I completely lost it. Like I can't even tell you. Um, I don't know how many times I got changed or like if I even did get changed into clean clothes. Like honestly, I have no. That time span is such a complete. But like I couldn't deal with the pain, so I shut down. Um, and just, yeah, like the thought, like I had a neighbor come bang on the window. Um, just like the way our driveway works, like our living room window, you hit the living room window before you hit the front door porch kind of area. Mm -hmm. And I like panicked and like the window, the blinds were closed and I was under a blanket, but then I hid. (laughs) I, I, I just, I had this like intense fear of people seeing me, which is totally like, just the most ridiculous level of anxiety that ever like it was the darkest hole of anxiety and depression I've fallen into for like the longest duration of of time and I think the only reason I even halfway started to pull out of it was um Robin had been away up north for work and he got the go-ahead to come home and I thought he cannot see me like this Right. Like he can't he can't know that this is how bad it is. He can't like yeah, he can't like witness this. Um and because of where he was for work, it took him three days to get home. And I knew when he left, so I knew I had I had three days to clean the house, <laughs> to clean myself up, to pull myself together and put on some sort of a facade of But I think that's the, that was the thing. Like when we lost this, like when we got pregnant a second time, I had had an injury at the job that I had. Um, Well, the injury happened at home, but it made it so I couldn't perform my job. So I wasn't working when we got pregnant with the second baby. And I like, I'm of the impression that if an employer knows you're pregnant, they're not going to hire you. Plus I was so scared of losing the second baby that I didn't want to start a new activity. Do you know what I'm like? They say like yeah. continue exercising, but don't start a new exercise. And in my mind, I linked that to keep everything the same as the way it is now. Eat the same, same level of activity, energy, whatever. Don't like, which did not involve me applying for jobs, right? Like in my own, mm-hmm. like I essentially put myself on bed rest when I found out I was pregnant, basically. Right. I was like, and everything stops. Um, well, yeah, you were, you were scared, like... Right. I was terrified, like, and, and it, it got a little easier when I felt like we had crossed over, like, when I hit the 12-week mark, and I felt like we were in the safe zone. Safe zone. I, and we had had those two ultrasounds that were good. I had started to relax. And that's the other thing, like, I had started to relax, which I didn't do the first time. I was still in that heightened panic mode, right? Mm-hmm. So we had started talking about baby names again because <laughs> we were in the second trimester. Like we waited because we didn't want what happened the first time to happen again. And then we did it like anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I had to pull myself together because Robin was coming home. But because I didn't have any external, like the dogs liked cuddling on the couch and that kind of like obviously they weren't getting to go for walks and things, which I felt really bad about. But um. Like, I didn't have that push to be a normal human, so I stopped mm-hmm. being a normal human. <laughs> that made, Like, I just stopped. Like, you and I still talked on the phone. That's what I was just going to say, is during that time, you know, I didn't know that you had completely hermited yourself into yeah. being, like, an author who was a total recluse under a quilt or anything because we were still talking and fairly often and for yeah. hours and hours into the night like we loved. Yeah, well, we were, both, we were both processing different things though, right? Like we were both, oh, yeah. we were both in such a weird place that like I, and I think that's where it comes in, like having a really good friend and like wanting to be there for you and give you the support and stuff that you needed. I didn't want to be like, and also I've become agoraphobic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's up with that, right? Like, I just... <laughs> but it's it's so strange because, like, I, I had also gotten to a point um, because of different issues at, at the same time yeah. um, where I was having a really hard time going out or wanting to do stuff um, with my health. 
So I was, you know, staying in and wanting to give up, really, uh, because of those different things. And I remember so many times, like you, it's funny because you're just explaining that because I really had no idea how in-depth you had come close to, like, giving up and such, right? And you had been on the phone with me so much, and you were giving me so much positivity and courage to, like, not give up and... And it was because of you that I didn't give up. And you were my shining light throughout that entire period and my light at the end of this, like, dark tunnel. And I really just did want to give up because I didn't see any light because uh, what I was going through was so harsh and yes. just dark. And so it's it's crazy to hear everything that you were going through and like how bad it was for you because like without your pushing me to just keep going and having something to hang on to which was our talks and you talking to me for hours into each night and early into each morning um I don't know if I'd still be sitting here right now and like with what you were going through I would consider that much harder than what I was at the time, even though I'm the one who's always talking about like, oh, there is no comparable skill. No, I know, but like, and that goes to show you like how we feel about ourselves. Cause like, I think part of the reason, like I hid some of that stuff just instinctively from you is because I felt like what you were going through was so much worse than what I was going through, (laughs) but I had like no right to let you in. Like I had to be strong for you. Like our phone calls were also my life raft that I like clung to and like you helped me so much and I remember being so grateful like you did a bunch of projects around the house while you were here and um got like my my dream of like having this like faux stained glass windows like you set all that up for me and I remember as I was trying to pull myself out of it um like painting the windows and like like finishing that project that you started was like like a like it made me feel connected to you and like it reminded me of that time when everything like before the before (laughs) before the weekend we shall not talk about when life still had meaning um right like it's so I know for like for a while we wrote off that whole year we're like we don't talk about 2017 we just don't um yeah yeah we shall not speak his name um <laughs> but uh yeah so anyways but like yeah like I remember like yeah like it was so funny that like you were again my light at the end of that tunnel but at the same time I was your light at the end of that tunnel right like <laughs> yeah and and just it was just like with like all the side stuff Robin was dealing with too like it was just such a messed up summer of like hiding the truth from you guys because like all three of us are friends which is something that we haven't really discussed on the podcast but like as much as you and I are really best friends like you're Robin's really best friend too like like the three of us are like a friendship tripod right like so I completely agree he's he's my absolute best friend that is a male like he's yeah. And I know, and I know that he feels the same way. Like I often talk about the fact that, like, you are our friend. Like we have one friend, but it's the same person. We each have one friend, and we're both you. Um, like it's just right. So, um, but like, be, like, just we were all trying to be there for each other in the various aspects of the different things. Um, and like that's like that's a whole another podcast because that brings in topics that are also deep and also very heavy but have nothing to do with pregnancy and infant loss awareness. <laughs> so like I know like we're being really vague and we're like skirting the other issues, um, but out of necessity because we could be here for like nine hours just talking about the clusterfuck of that weekend. <laughs> like it just there were so there are too many things that converged in one moment and it was just too, like it's too much to unpack in an episode that's about something else completely <laughs> you know like, we should do we should do like a six-part series of like what happened july 2017 <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like the most weird soap opera mystery show of all time it could be its own podcast um 
That's funny. We should start a podcast and call it What Happened July of 2017. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was important that I could be there for you in any kind of capacity to be limited <laughs> to my limited availableness. Like I had such a limited capacity for life um, functions, but I think like, had I not, like as as hard like I mean your stuff was dumb and it never should have happened but the fact that I got to be there for you and I wasn't feeling like our friendship was a one-way street heading in my direction like helped me like it did it helped me a lot so yes <laughs> there have been many points in our like I, I've always felt like like our friendship has had really hard moments and has had really dark moments but I I don't I've never felt like our friendship has been one-sided. Oh. And that's important to me. You're like, that's not how I feel. Like, our friendship's totally one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your emotional support blanket at this point. Um, but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't feel like I give you more than I take, but I also don't feel like I take more than I give you. No, I, I totally agree. I just, I'm... One of the most proud moments, I guess that would be the best way to describe it, is I was so honored. Never, ever, ever in our entire relationship was I more honored than when you allowed me in with you um, to talk about your miscarriages and to just like out of nowhere like I didn't cry I didn't prod I didn't ask you about them you just completely let me in and you were open and I just was thinking to myself like you know wow she's she's expressing herself with no limits no fences like no guards or walls up she's just allowing herself to flow freely and if this might help her or might let herself heal like this is what so many people so many women need and men like just so many people need to feel safe with somebody so that they can do exactly this like just express in any way that they feel safe enough to do and i think i think the only reason i was able well, A, because of the, the friendship and stuff that we have, but B, you had already been that real and raw and open with me about your experience, right? Like, it was it was okay for me to come to you with that level of hurt because you had already, like, shown me how to do it, basically, if that makes sense. Like, it's so... And that's one of the reasons why I thought it was good to do this podcast because... um. A, it gives us a chance to, like, unpack. And I think every time you unpack it, you heal a little bit more. But B, mm-hmm. it, like, I hope, I hope that someone will listen to this who needs to hear it. And someone will listen to this who it then gives them the space to to share their story. And to take that next step of healing themselves um, yeah. in, in, in a way that is, like, a safe and, like, I'm, I am hoping that if if you or I can be that for someone else again like if someone wants to send in an email and and tell us you know their story too um I'm happy to read it and to to be there and I'm happy to if they want it shared publicly read it in an additional podcast episode like just to have it be it's such like a cathartic moment and it won't be the right step for like not everybody needs to verbally unpack but it is a good like the for the people that a verbally unpacking works for it works really well you know like it it could be an important next step for somebody on their journey and I think that that's like the reason why we push through and we struggle through and and here it's like someone can just like this is like a conversation like we've we've had versions of this conversation before just without recording them right yeah exactly. um so it's just basically like sitting in on one of our phone dates basically is what <laughs> you know like somebody gets to be a fly on the wall of like one of our phone dates but um 
Yeah, I, and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited you wanted to do it with me because I thought between the two of us, we have the experiences of almost every avenue that October being the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month is about, right? Like I have an early loss. I have um, like a, an early second trimester, but like technically they call them missed miscarriages where your body isn't processing. Like my body, I thought it was so funny, like not funny, haha, but funny, like this is messed up, that, that my body refused to acknowledge that I had lost the baby. That's, that's exactly true, right? It, uh, <laughs> when That's what I love about our, our phone dates and our conversations is the way that, um, that we'll dissect certain things or terms that, that we'll dig right into. Um, there's so many different ways to talk about uh, different instances and different things. Like you just said, like a lot of people and uh, young women, middle-aged women, whatever, um, not all miscarriages are the same. No. <laughs> They're not all like, oh, if you, you know, lose your baby, it's a miscarriage. Not all miscarriages are just miscarriages. Um, like you were just saying, like your body refused to acknowledge that you had a miscarriage. Yeah. Like there's, there's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, so, so you can carry on with what you were saying, like, um, with that, like your body actually refused to acknowledge that you were even having yeah, a miscarriage. Like, not only would I not <laughs> mentally process it, but like my body, like they were like, oh, and you haven't had like any spotting at all. And I'm like, nope, nothing. And no cramping at all. And I'm like, well, nothing since that time that you took me down to the ER, right? And even then it was really mild cramping. And I think the only reason you were so insistent that I go is just because I was about to leave town and drive across four provinces, right? Like it was more of a, let's just make sure we're on a level playing field other than like, it wasn't actually a warning sign really of something being wrong other than like just wanting that reassurance that everything was okay kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was such a surreal moment of like sitting in her office and having her explain to me like what a missed miscarriage was and just thinking like, I've gone so far, like even on a subconscious level, like so far off the edge that physically my body is unwilling to acknowledge this. Like, it's just like, no, this is my baby. You can't have it. And that like, in that whole process of like, I did, I spent a lot of that weekend in like the quiet moments that I had to myself when I wasn't dealing with the other things. Um, just thinking like, well, what if they're wrong? Like I'm not having any of the symptoms. Maybe the baby's okay. Maybe I'm going to find out Monday morning that everything's okay. Like maybe, you know, like just having that, like refusal to admit reality and um like start the grieving process because it was so different than the first time and like my brain just refused to accept that it was a possibility of what could happen if that makes sense but yeah, like I just had that moment of like, not only will my brain and my heart not wrap around this, like my uterus literally will not acknowledge that this is what's going on, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And there are other, like, there are other, like, miss miscarriages don't always end in surgery. Um, and the only reason it did in my particular instance is because I had like completely zero symptoms, and in my own personal, like, given my medical history and stuff, like, they felt like usually what they do is they give you a pill to take like a morning right. after pill, but more extreme um, mm -hmm. to just jumpstart the miscarriage physical process basically. But they felt that in my particular, just given my own specifics um, that that wasn't a really good viable option that they didn't feel like it would work very well. So they just decided to jump straight to the surgery because they felt like, um, my, my body's stubborn refusal to cooperate um, was dramatic enough that um, my my health, my imminent health was at risk, basically. Right. But, um, and then, of course, we went through the whole, we went through the whole conversation and process again, like Robin and I, while he was up north even, talking about, like, 
you know, maybe we should just be done. Maybe we should just accept that this is not something for us. Like, because I fell so hard off the deep end the second time, trying to wrap my head around getting pregnant again, I, like, I had, I was 99% sure I didn't want to try again. I was done. Um, yeah. And then, and then Robin got home and like within three weeks I was pregnant with Rupert. <laughs> I remember you talking about how you were like pretty, pretty positive that your trying was over. Yeah. And I did not fault you for it at all no yeah you were and the nice thing about and what i loved about you and another thing too like you said like you weren't asking questions and you weren't prying and stuff but you you basically just said to me like whatever you need i am here <clears throat> if you want to call me and cry for three hours we can do that if you want to call me and pretend it never happened we can do that <laughs> like whatever <laughs> you need and and you you've always been really like like I'm here for you and you tell me if or when you're ready for whatever and I'm down a hundred percent like I don't think that there was a way that you could have handled it that would have been better than the way that you handled it like do you know like everything about it from the perspective like you have people you read you read stuff online right which is another reason I'm really grateful that we hadn't told very many people but you have people say like well God needed that baby more than you did or like it was, it was for the best. There was probably something wrong or, um, well, you weren't at the stage of viability. So from a legal perspective, that wasn't a baby and you didn't lose anything. Um, yeah. and like, I think that people say those things in an attempt to be reassuring or an attempt to, um, like, I don't think they're trying to be assholes. Um, it just, they're wrong <laughs> and they're assholes right like there's no you know and like the same thing like when you struggle with infertility and people say oh well if you just stop trying it'll happen no that's not a real like why would you where would you like me to punch you basically like yeah. right like it's not helpful and it's not useful well and if you if you really want a baby there is no way to be to stop trying like there's no way to like, unless you make up your mind, like I did, that you were done trying because you couldn't go through it anymore. Like, I just kind of laugh because, like, that is kind of what happened with us. Like, we decided we weren't going to try. We were not, ha like, we weren't going to try for several months while we adjusted and, like, got used to being in the same house with each other again because Robin had been away for work that whole time. Or, and just, like, wrapped our head around the space of it and got to a point where we could even make that decision. So we've been like, nope, we're not trying anymore. And then literally the next cycle, <laughs> I was pregnant with Rupert. So like it did kind of happen in the sense that like we had stopped trying, but we didn't, it wasn't like one of those, we're just going to relax and see what happens and take a break and whatever. Like we were, it was coming from a place of trauma. It wasn't coming from a place of, so like I would never say to someone who's struggling with fertility issues, well, if you just stop trying, it'll happen because that's what happened for me because that's not that's not what happened right like it's not yeah it's not the process that anyone got and like coming like there was it was too in my opinion it was too close they were too close to get like the loss and then getting pregnant again with rupert was too close and i spent the first good portion of being pregnant with rupert um not handling that well because nope because losing the second baby was so fresh and so recent and so you know like and that's some people like, oh we'll just try again and you'll get pregnant right away and blah 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 and like that's not i wouldn't advise it i mean it is what happened for us and rupert is beautiful and i love him and i wouldn't change it for the world but the first like the it, the pregnancy was was more complicated emotionally because of how close it was to losing our second baby I would not doubt that for a second. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you found it insightful or fun. If you have any thoughts about this week's topic, any feedback for, about the It's Gwinnable podcast overall, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, please send me an email. It's Gwinnable at gmail.com. 
I-T-S-G-U-I-N-A-B-L-E at gmail.com. All of your comments, requests, or questions that I receive from you are kept completely anonymous. I want this to be a safe space where everyone can feel completely safe and confident to be their authentic self with no judgment. If you have something you're struggling with or you have something you want to celebrate, I want to hear all about it. I hope that this next week is an amazing one for you. Until the next episode, take some time this week to embrace every facet of yourself.